God of the universe, maker of the stars, who am I? Hello and welcome back, guys, to another episode of Life on Purpose. You're tuning in with the ever-popular Mike Clayton, his son Daniel Clayton, David Covert, and yours truly, Ryan Cribs. How's everybody doing this week? I'm trying to figure out how to point. I'm getting it backwards, so I won't do that anymore. (laughs) Just go like like this. No, we're doing good. Doing really good. Um, Excited for tonight. Excited for tomorrow and the next day and you know pretty much every day that god makes but specifically <clears throat> this next shabbat's coming up um oh yeah say it again you know we got a we got some exciting young adult stuff going on um in georgia next week and if you want details yeah. on that dot 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 yeah i was about to say uh, i think we got it on facebook now i think that we've been spreading mm-hmm. it around like doing kind of some blast but it's gonna be here where me and ryan are at actually it's going to be a, we have a pretty large space that we'll be, we'll be able to utilize uh, where we're going to have everyone come. It's going to be, uh, you'll be able to find it on Exodus Road Band. I think we've got it on the uh, Life on Purpose. I think we might have it redone. I know I've seen people repost it. So I think it's been going around. Uh, I think we've said it 16 to 32 ish age wise. Again, it's like Revive. It wasn't like we didn't have someone checking driver's license at the door. We, we weren't doing anything that crazy. You know? uh, we did have to turn some people away, but uh, not, not, not all. But we are going to put you in a trench coat and sunglasses, and we are going to have you at the door, though. You're going to be the bouncer. Uh, yeah. I didn't realize yeah, that. That's okay. a great idea. <laughs> New yeah. job for me. But yeah. if you are, <laughs> if you're bringing, like, if you're all carpooling, and maybe you find yourself outside of that age and you want to go somewhere else. We do have another place, which we have also on there, which is not too far away from here, where you'll be able to have food fellowship and a great time. So oh. there's things to do that entire weekend. It's an awesome time. So, so that's going to be for <laughs> the, that's the, the other places for the adults. Yeah, I guess for the, I guess if we're going to right. outside of 32 as adult now, I guess that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Hey, you know, what's great. <laughs> I get invited to the young guys. I get invited <laughs> to the cool people's table. I'm loving You're special. It. You're special. That's right. That's right. Well, hey, oh, I got an announcement, fun. guys. All right. We have a very, very exciting announcement. And that is that life on purpose is about to hit the road. And uh, Hashem, God willing, in the month of January, Myself and Daniel will be heading to Loosedale, Mississippi, and we will be recording for a whole day Life on Purpose episodes for Hebrew Roots Network. Yeah, that's That's awesome. And uh, that is, uh, again, God willing, that's going to be followed by sometime in the future after that. All four of us heading to Loosedale together. Oh yeah, you know what that means, right? You know what that means, right? Road trip. Y'all got to do a good job because if y'all do a bad job, they're not gonna have all four of us come up there. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to do a good job there. No pressure. <laughs> I thought no it probably meant Bucky's. Kill it. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> hey, you did introduce us to that uh, wonderful place. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll channel my inner David to make sure we get invited back. <laughs> oh no! And I'll try to look <laughs> as cool as Ryan would have. 
soft you gotta, fiction, you like, like a, you know what I mean? Energizer. You got to make sure you got the curl going, Mike. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll work on that. I'll work on that. <laughs> guys, okay, I got a dilemma here. And uh, I, I really need you guys to help me out a little bit. So um, I've been kind of rethinking things. Okay, you know, maybe it's maybe you could call it a midlife crisis, uh, which means I'd be really old at the end of my life. But, you know, I mean, other than that, um, I've been kind of thinking through some stuff. And um, I'm considering the possibility that that through these years, I've been wrong. And that evolution is actually true. Um, but I do have a problem. And maybe you guys could help me figure this one out. That if evolution teaches that things are getting better and better, and that man is just going, you know, creation is going from one level to another. And, you know, the slime pond became better with the tadpole, which became better with the frog, and then the monkey and the man and all of this. Where did sin come from? Could could you, any of you three wise men? Did I really? Five, maybe it's a stretch. Let's. <laughs> could, could you help oh, me kind of figure that one out? Because if if evolution's true, then why do we have this? Why do, why is it that it seems like people are getting more and more evil? I think that the, we actually kind of tapped onto that a little bit last uh, session. I think I want to bring that back around. This idea of well, where did sin come from? Where did all this stuff then come from? The the Bible is life. It teaches us life. It teaches us the rules of life, right? It teaches us what we are to do, what we cannot do. And we find out, like we see in this world, when we start going outside of those boundaries, we start seeing these evil people like we have been seeing. And that's where I would want to go right there. It's like, where did sin come from? I think sin always has been there. It's just the choice between doing right versus doing wrong based on what the Bible says is that this is sin and this is not sin, right? We find we see when people go away from that, they might be prosperous. They might go do things, but something always happens. Something's always bad going on. So I'd like to see what others say about that, but that's what I like to say on that. Okay. This reminds me, uh, after last week's episode, I actually, uh, well, I, was, I went and we spent some time in the recording studio doing some stuff. We have some fun stuff coming out, by the way, from Exodus Road, produced by Exodus Road Band, because now we have our own label, Exodus Road Records. So mm. we signed another uh -huh. artist. So here within probably the next few months, we'll have some news regarding some albums from other artists on the Exodus Road Records label. So throwing that out there. Uh, and I was talking with our producer, Jimmy, uh, who's a really interesting guy to talk to. Um, and he's got some interesting philosophies on things. And we were talking about that whole idea of, you know, where did it all begin and what is truth? And he brought up the fact of... Um, and it's a, I forget the philosopher's name, but it was basically the philosopher had come up with a proof of a living God. Mm -hmm. And his proof was through motion. That in order for motion to happen, something, a force has to be enacted upon it. Right. So if a ball's rolling, somebody had to have pushed it. Okay. Right. Well, then who pushed the ball? Right. Or if the ball slams into something, you're right. Who pushed the ball to cause it to roll it? Right. So you go all the way, you have to go all the way back to a creator actually starting something, something immovable that can create movement. 
and thus mm. was justified through this philosophy and through science, if you will, and energy that a creator had to exist. If we use, utilize that, for instance, darkness has no measure. You can't measure darkness because darkness is just nothingness. It's actually the absence of light. True. So for there to be evil and good in the world, the two have to exist together. If you don't have evil, you don't know what good is. And if you don't have good, you don't know what evil is. So you have to have a law that will define the two. Hmm. Wise son. You know, so I don't. That, I don't have much. Thing, much. Uh, much better on on that. You know, it's because from the from the perspective that you're thinking of, you know, in the in the big scheme of you know pond to toad to monkey and all that kind of stuff. You know, there's there is no good answer because you know atheism and that view of thinking they shun the idea of moral absolutes and so there is no answer to the question where did sin come from because essentially you know in that idea one day one monkey like pushed another monkey and the other monkey didn't like it and so they were like hey you sinned against me and so that's <laughs> essentially where sin came from but that you know it but you know joking aside essentially the thought of right and wrong stems from how you feel when someone does something against you because it is not definable it is not measurable there's no you know there's nothing to weigh it against because you know th and they don't want to weigh it against anything as far as you know what i've kind of heard and researched myself so you know you ryan what you were talking about, I, I love that one monkey pushed another one that's where we got there, everything from we're, we're all you know it's the butterfly on the other side of the world that started flapping its wings and yeah uh forms a you know something on this side of the world I, that's crazy but um ryan you talked about that uh, there's there's really no such thing as uh, there's darkness you can't measure there is that's right. um you know what is darkness darkness is the absence of light exactly uh, cold cold and cold and heat there is absolute cold you can go to absolute zero it cannot get any colder than that but there's no absolute as far as hot so what is cold it's the absence of heat when you That's take right. out all cold all heat you get absolute zero so what is what is the what's the definition of evil the absence of good and if That's god right. says he's good then what is evil is the absence of God. Mm. Yes. Mm. Like that. Right. This comes down to, and of course, my opening line, everybody I, I would hope is, you know, would be, would, would know that was a, a ridiculous parody. And uh, <laughs> Daniel, regarding atheists, I've decided they don't exist. Mm. Okay. I mean, I don't care if they do say that they are, the, you know, if, if they can say God doesn't exist, then I can say they don't exist. This, this is yeah. the logic of things that people are trying to get a hold of here. The only yes. plausible explanation to me of, of why we have sin in this world goes back to the book of Genesis. That God said to Adam, this is how to live a righteous life, a life in me. If you go against that, it's going to be called sin. I mean, 
It, it just explains everything. It explains mm. everything that's in the world today. Everything that's going on today. We go back to Genesis chapter one and it, it explains it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I, I also just can't get over the fact because you're bringing up the point of Genesis that it was, he literally said, do this. This is all good for you. But just don't touch this tree. Yeah. And of course, that's and I think that goes back to if you even look to the state with their thinking, right? I know that with uh, your little ones, Daniel, right? You say, don't touch that. You look, but you look away and then you look right around and get, I bet you they're, they're reaching out to touch it. I bet, aren't they? <laughs> like it's just, mm-hmm. Maybe that's just who we are at, as with the, our freedom of choice. I don't know. So it just, that's something that always fascinates me. We always want to see, oh, do I get hurt? Do I get hurt? So as a little kid, you go, oh, that's hot. Don't touch. Well, you got, you got to find out what that feels like. <laughs> so, so. Let's go to something. Uh, this is kind of one of those those theoretical things. Uh, I've been told that if something happens to you that is uh, very tragic, a, a a crisis of life, it even you know um, something that is you know one of those horrendous events of life that that people go through, that it can actually alter their DNA in a, in a way. Have you guys ever ever looked into that? I've heard of that. I've not, I've not researched it at all, but I have heard of that. So is it possible that when Adam and Eve fell in the eating of the the fruit, and we're not told it's an apple, okay, it's just, it was a tree, and the tree of the, they were told, eat of the tree of life, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, if we were to go back and look at what they were at that moment in time, prior to the eating of this fruit, the forbidden fruit, could the event have been of such a horrendous magnitude that it literally altered their DNA? And that is where we are today is following in that fallen DNA. Mm. It, It could be. It very well could be. I have a follow-up question to that, but I want to hear everybody else's thought. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, Dale, if you've got something, I might want to throw something in there. Um, Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So I was, uh, so the idea I was thinking of is when you're talking about that is there is such a thing, it even talks about later on in scripture, talks about the generational sins, the sins mm-hmm. that are passed on for the children, the children, mm-hmm. children. So you do see there is something about it being passed on, passed on, passed on. So there is something to be said about from Adam's sin. We now partake in that, but that's why I also believe that's where baptism is a answer to that uh, perpetual state of events that keeps on reoccurring for the individual. They can commit that act to separate themselves from it as a rebirthing. And that might be getting a little ahead of ourselves, but yeah, the, and that's where, yeah, the sal- salvation and, and the mikvah or baptism, mm-hmm. all those things, that's where we're heading with these programs. We're trying to lay mm-hmm. a foundation here. Daniel? Gotcha. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it's clear that, you know, something changed, you know, when when they ate, when they left, you know, that, um, you know, I would, I would think that it was spiritual, emotional, and physical, the change. And, you know, I'm just kind of thinking, like, 
you know, of the different states or places we find ourselves and like how you can tell a stark difference. And so, you know, I'm just thinking of like when you're in the shower, you know, it's just feels really good. It's the warm water and you just sit there and it's just like so refreshing and you feel clean. The cleansing is coming. And then like the second you turn off, like it's freezing all of a sudden, like <laughs> there's just such a stark difference in, in that time. And that's just kind of what I'm thinking of right now, where when they left that place of warmth and comfort and, and, you know, you can't even really say healing because there was nothing to heal from yet, but that place of warmth and presence uh, with God, like when you leave that, there is a, there has to be a massive, massive change that occurs in multiple ways. And um, yeah, I think that that happened on an emotional sense. And I think it happened in a physical sense because, you know, there was also the tree of life and, you know, they were created, I believe, to live forever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the intention was for God to dwell with man forever. And so when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of uh, good and evil, it was a mercy that God kicked them out of the garden because to live in that fallen state of disobedience forever would have been hell in one way. Mm -hmm. True. Okay, Ryan. All right. <laughs> so my question was this, and it was asked to me. So Adam and Eve fell. And so that meant all humanity because of Adam's choice, fell with them. Is that correct? That is yeah. the that is the surface the theological <laughs> answer. I'd say that. Right. So by one man doing one action, all of humanity fell. So then, when Messiah comes, and he dies through one man, all society is saved by default. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Are you asking a question or making a statement? <laughs> kind of both. Both. <laughs> All right. Let, let's, let's put it this way, that in order for us to enter into the work of the one man we will we refer to him as Yeshua, the Messiah, and this, of course, again is programs we're going to be working on. In order for us to work to to enter into that work, we must first agree with the fact that we're a part of the first work of Adam. I like that. Now, no, let's, yeah, let's, cool. let's let's put a verse there, and I'll turn it over to you guys is in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 3, it says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The word their sin is, is it's a, a literal, th this is not just some blue sky kind of word. Um, Ryan, you were, you've been a firearms uh, instructor, range officer. Uh, I was certified at one time in firearms. The the word miss the mark is to miss the target. Yes. We have a, we have a bullseye. And if you miss the bullseye, literally that's what sin is. You're missing the bullseye. The, the bullseye is, is God's will for our lives. But then we, when we miss that it's called sin. So in order for me to even approach 
the possibility of restoration, I must first admit and come into agreement with this verse that I have sinned and fallen short of his glory. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, that, that is a, that is an age old question, you know, that people have debated for many a time. Like if, if, you know, essentially why, why do I need a savior? Like, what is the purpose for needing a savior? Like, why can't I just, you know, be a good person? Mm -hmm. You know, that, that is, that is the question. And it's, it's one, I don't think that you can really teach someone why they need a savior. Like, again, you know, it is, it is the spirit who leads someone to the word. It is the spirit who leads someone to the father, to Yeshua, to the Torah, you know, all this, all these things. And so, you know, I feel like we would all have those moments in our life where um, we were just confronted with ourselves. We were confronted with despair or, um, you know, just intense envy or just, you know, uh, you know, just sadness, just these kind of things. Like you come face to face with, um, you know, with the man in the mirror with problems in your life. And at, to some extent, like there's a process where you find that you can't do it yourself. You can't, not just you can't do it yourself, but there's just, there's an inability to choose right from wrong within yourself and you need that savior. But I don't, I don't think you can teach anyone that. Maybe, maybe mm. on a very surface level you could, but I don't really, I don't think you can make someone believe that. Hmm. I, I've wondered if it's something too, like, cause I know that there's some people do eventually reach that point you're talking about now, right? Like, I think that it's hard to try to coldly go into a conversation and say, you just need them because <laughs> sometimes they, they can't see, but I do, I have, I think quite, I think probably all of us have borne witness to some who have um, reached that point. And I might be, that's just something that's just coming to mind because I'm looking at this entire thing and you're talking about this and because Adams, and I, will, I wanted to rephrase what you said there, Micah, just in my mind, I'm rephrasing it because of Adam's choice yeah okay now we individually have a choice whether to return back in in a sense right his mm -hmm. choice was no let me just grab this or let me grab from the woman and take partake right if we read the story but now it's given to us it's like all right what's your choice you're in this world in a fallen mm -hmm. state obviously succumb to this as it already has been as, as the state of man is what he's saying right now it's your choice you can now choose to say, no, I want the tree of life. Now I want to go, I want the tree of life. And that's through him, right? Because it's all, there's no way you can go to the father, but through him. So now it's your choice individually. And I also find that interesting is that his intention was to dwell with man, but there had to still be a choice for man there that of opposition to him, right? Something that would be, that would make you say, nope, I'm going to choose this, which was an opposition to him, which the tree of knowledge of good and evil in that, in that state back in the garden of Eden was in opposition to him, which is, that's, wow. That's kind of, that can almost preach on its own. That's kind of interesting how that will lead you. That can maybe even lead you away from him. You know, I think, I think that might be the key is that, is that uh, concept of choice because, you know, 
to some extent there is no there's no neutral in my mind there's really no neutral to life to anything um you're right you know if you're if you're on the fence you know very rarely can you just be balancing on the fence you're going to be leaning one way or to the other or you're going to be on one side or the other and so we are all choosing every single day between you know one thing and another and that was the choice that they had in the garden and i feel like i believe that god intentionally gave them that choice because i've asked the question you know why did god put the tree there to begin with like if his intention is for you know to create man and for them to live forever why give them the ability to take that away from themselves and the only conclusion i can come to is because he would rather have his creation choose to dwell with him than not have the choice at all. And and that is the same thing I think here is like, we have to come to a place where we understand that there has to be a choice. We have to choose between one thing and another. We have to choose, are we God or are we not God? And if we are not God, how do we become closer to God? And the way we do that is by acknowledging and choosing to believe that we need him and that he has put into place a process for being close to him well let me ask you a question daniel on this one is can there be love without choice there can be tolerance without choice okay but can there be can there, there, there be can love? be there can be affection there can be affection okay. without choice david i but see you I, smiling <laughs> I am smiling because I think that that's it's because you're hitting on I think that that's just the most amazing thing is that choice I think you have to have that choice and I think that's where that whole free will thing comes into play he says okay this is the choice you're gonna you're gonna be and to go back to what you exactly what you said missing the mark right his purpose was the bullseye was for them to to be with them forever that they would uh, go from there and like what their ultimate goal was they still didn't reach because Adam missed the mark, he, right? And it missed the mark. He was so close, it was so close, but he had to choose willingly. Nope, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand by every single thing he says. And that's exactly what we see here even to this day. It's a choice and, that, and that's what you, I think Daniel, you were just saying, it's an everyday choice, every single day. And I know that not everyone fulfills that, but it's that choice every single day. And that is a sign of love. I would, I would wholeheartedly agree. I'm all I'm picturing, and I think that you guys, you probably even have stories of this uh, with with kids, where you see them and say, "Don't don't touch that, don't do that," and then you just sit back and let's see what they do. <laughs> and that that later on that moment when they finally get it and they go, "You know what, Papa said not to touch that," and you can see the gears working. Like I've watched it now, you see the gears working in their head, and they go, "You know what, I'm not going to touch that," and they walk away. That's like wow, it's. Mm -hmm. It, it almost, it, I'm not even my child and I get excited seeing that. I get so excited <laughs> seeing them make the decision to obey their parents and they just turn away from it. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I know you wanted to touch that so bad and you didn't. That's amazing. I just want to reward you. I'm not, you're not even my kid. I just want you to be, I'm just so happy <laughs> that you made a good decision. And I think that that's the same thing. Maybe that's how the angels view us when we are faced with that similar decision. And I wonder if yeah. it's not the same thing. It's something else because yeah. I think that's a that's I think the thing we see here. So I was going to throw out there that I think on an everyday basis, kind of to echo what you were saying, Daniel. On an everyday basis, we have the choice of which tree to 
eat from still. Mm-hmm. Even, and it is, this goes to the Torah community as well, because we have the Torah there. That's a clear book telling us what is right, what is wrong, what is darkness, what is light, what is good, what is evil, mm-hmm. right? It's very easy to turn that into a tree of knowledge of good and evil, mm-hmm. because now you have the knowledge of good and evil. So you can beat somebody else over the head with it and continue to only consume that versus actually be the life and the light to the world that you should be. So therein, mm-hmm. it's that day to day choice of which tree are you going to eat from Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. it's been throughout history you know like Mm -hmm. you know one of the most famous verses in the bible is joshua you know choose you this day who you will serve you know this Mm -hmm. this question was before it was before yeshua definitely you know there there is there, there is that choice and that that question of you know can there be love without choice that's that's a very interesting question um and probably one that not everyone just kind of wakes up and thinks about because, you know, but, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like we kind of know the difference between, you know, when we feel like someone is doing something for, or chooses to do something for us out of obligation or out of love, you know, there it's, it just hits different, you know, there, there's stuff, mm-hmm. there's examples like that. Um, you know, and I, I think that God probably, you know, feels the same with us. Like we, we go through and we choose and that cho- that choosing is obedience and love to some extent, but eventually mm-hmm. like, you know, and I guess it goes to like, what is love? Is love a feeling or is love a choice? So you're asking me is, is, can you have a choice without a choice? <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> here we go your fault hey that was you we, yeah we said we're getting deep here so yeah let's go yeah here we go and and let me just say to our listeners this is this is this conversation tonight is part of about a a three or four week conversation we're going to be having okay so we're kind of going a lot of different places here um ryan i want to ask you a question mm-hmm. uh, a wise one let me uh let me ask you something so <laughs> Someone comes to you and says, and this is the importance to me of this topic, okay, of the coming into agreement with the verse of all of sin come short of the glory of God, of going back and understanding that that sin, that evil came into the world through disobedience, and that we as a human population, as individuals, are now following in the footsteps of that. And, and here's the punchline, this will bring us then to the Redeemer, which if we go back to Genesis to get ahead of ourselves a little bit, you go back and read Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and I'm going to very loosely uh, translate this into the Mike Clayton uh, translation here. When God looks at Adam and says, what you broke, I'm going to fix. Hang out, and I'll show you how I'm going to fix it. And that's the rest of the the story of Scripture, is how God sets in motion a plan for fixing what Adam broke. Okay, now with that, all of that being said, 
What do you do, Ryan, when somebody comes to you, and I've had this happen to me numerous times, and say, and you start talking to them about God, about about Messiah, about sin, and they look at you and say, I've never done anything wrong in my life. Hmm. You're welcome for me picking on you for that one. Yeah, no, I would say by, you've never done wrong by whose standard. And that's why I ask him. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Yeah. Why couldn't I come right, up with that? That's a, that's a good way of saying it. I like that. Okay, so this goes back to what we talked about a few weeks ago, is if you go through life not thinking you've ever done anything wrong, then you're saying, I'm the one who sets the standards, and I am now God. Well, there there is the byproduct of the fruit, because it, now that you your forefathers have eaten of the knowledge of good and evil— you're saying that that fruit in you, saying that you have the knowledge of the tree of the you know good and evil, that you therefore embody the whole of that, and that your mm -hmm. decisions will net you the outcome that you desire, because you've eaten off your own tree of knowledge of good and evil. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Way, way too much sense. Uh, yeah, I had a guy not too long ago that said to me, he said he was an atheist and I didn't say that I didn't believe in him, but I, you know, I kind of thought that. <laughs> and uh, I said uh, later on, I said, well, you know, here's the problem that if, if you're right and I'm wrong, I lose nothing. I said, but if, if, if I'm right and you're wrong and he stopped me in mid sentence, he says, then I'll deal with whoever it is that I need to talk to because I've never done anything wrong. That that mm. sent chills up my spine. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, um, you know, they say you know they, they've done nothing wrong, and you know by whose standard? And maybe they say by the standard of the law of the United States and of the Constitution of the United States. And, and maybe they're right. And so, you know, maybe they've never stolen, they've never committed a felony, a misdemeanor, you know, nothing like that. Maybe they've just lived a perfect, perfect life, you know, their entire life. But to them, for them to say, I have done nothing wrong, you know, and if they were to respond with that, you know, what, like by the law, by the law, I've never done anything wrong. Look at my, my record. You know, they are acknowledging that there is, some kind of code that they are forced to live by. And that is a thing that they have put themselves under. And so at that point you say, okay, well, what if you move to North Korea? Now the laws have changed. Now right and wrong has changed. And you've done things here certainly that are wrong there. You know, maybe you own something in your house because it streams here. Lots of things that are okay here are not okay there. You know, and so you've placed a person that was in the United States, put them somewhere else, and now what was right is now wrong. And so it's changed. And so, you know, where does that stop? Like, at what point, what point in the world is right, right, and wrong, wrong? Or is it just totally subjective? And, you know, if the answer is yes, it's always subjective to where I'm living, then I don't know how to answer that one. That's a slippery slope. What was that, Ryan? Slippery slope. I said that's a slippery slope. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. If it's yeah. based on on where you're living, you know, you're residing. Well, that's mm-hmm. called relative morality. Mm-hmm. So morality is relative to where I am, what setting I'm in, and what I'm doing and what I feel like doing. Uh, it's all relative in the end, because back to last week's program, there is no real truth. Mm-hmm. I'm just sitting here sad about that guy, the conversation you had with him, and he's just he's decided to kick the can down the road. That's his, that, that's the answer to the question of his life. Well, if I'm wrong, I'm just going to kick the can down and I'll just take my punishment later. If that's the case, like that's how sad that must've been of all the people that that guy must've encountered his life, that that's what he feels in this day and age, that that's his best answer to then. And because you're, you're missing out if, if especially if whoever's listening, if you, if you feel that your relationship with God, that your religion, let's say, let's just put that to be simple, right? The word religion. If you think your religion is just satisfying some heavenly being upstairs that he's just checking boxes, mm-hmm. it's so much more than just checking boxes that you're good and uh, that you're right and not doing wrong. It's so much more than that. And it's just that's what crushes me that that guy talked to you about that. It's like, this is what you determine that religion now is just a, a, a piece of paper. That's that a being is just checking that. Oh, well you did that right. And you did that right. That that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the peace that's not even in your equation to have a peace that is beyond understanding is something that I didn't quite understand. So getting older is having that peace amidst very trying times. I think everyone else can attest to those times that they've had in their life that's just so much more than that so much more so then that question comes to back down to the initially was well i'll just deal with it later or why why do i have to do it now it just yeah. and to stop you mid-sentence taking from his own fruit to stop you mid-sentence and now I, I deny what you say and just gonna do my own thing it just grieves me it just and i, makes I think we have to acknowledge you know, I think we have to acknowledge that um, we are to be a, a peculiar people, and therefore, the things that we know to be true are just not going to make sense to other people. And so, you know, if your calling is to be on the debate stage and, you know, have these conversations with people, then go for it, 100%. You know, be the best at that that you could possibly be. But we do not all have to be that way, I don't think, you know, and because, you know, we believe yep. that there is the truth and the truth is that there was a creator who started kicking the ball. He, he started the thing that was in motion, like you were talking about, Ryan, and he, as the one who kicked the ball, is the one who is the definition of good. Without him, there is evil. And so, you know, that's just, that's what we believe to be true. And because we believe that there is a creator and that he gave us this as our guidelines, you know, that is what we have to believe. And, you know, cause I, you know, I enjoy having these conversations. I really do. You know, I think that they're helpful. I think it's, it's helpful to spark questions in people like to spark questions like, okay, what do I define as right and wrong? Like if you have never used the Bible to define right and wrong in your life, like what are you using to define that? And that's a good mm-hmm. question for people to ask. But 
personally, you know, though I enjoy these conversations and think they're important, we're never, ever, 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 ever going to get to the point where we can reason someone through why they have fallen short of the glory of God. That's true. In this eating off their own tree. Go ahead. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say they're eating off their own tree, right? By that that point, they're yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, people would say, well, what's the purpose of this conversation? This conversation is where the peace in my life came from. Mm-hmm. Before coming to the revelation, I mean, I always had the revelation. I was never a person that dis that, that didn't. You know, I knew what I was doing was wrong. Okay, uh, nobody had to come to me and go, you know, do you know what you're doing is wrong? Yeah, I I figured that out. I, I never had a problem with this verse of all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I got that one, but when I came into agreement with that, there's one thing of of knowing that. But then there's another level of it, of coming into agreement with the verse, that my actions in life have made me come short of of God's glory, his plan, his purposes Mm -hmm. for me. And when I came to that revelation in my life, that this was a verse not just talking about, you know, Adolf Hitler and 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 you know various people this was a verse that was speaking to me directly and so when i could internalize that verse as, as my own then that verse became my road to finding the way of restoration of coming back to that place and through that having peace mm-hmm. yeah, it's that path think... to... i'll go for it go ahead go ahead david go ahead go. oh that's it the path it's the pathway of uh you're the target, right? You're, you're launched like an arrow being launched at a target, right? This, this is the, this is that guide as, as you're flying through the air, right? With Adam said it was, it went off because wrong decision here. It talks all about how, all right, go this way, this way, staying straight, going this way, going this way. And you're moving and it's keeping you straight. So in reality, that's why this is so important. That's kind of what we talked about last week, how important this is to guide you and then with sin it always is something like where is people's morality compass where everyone does have one because if people say they've ever felt conviction in their life come on everyone has been born with some sense of conviction really yeah. so and this is to this is the greatest litmus test for your conviction meter right this is like okay is your convictions right or not so i was gonna that's what my point was i absolutely love that whole like missing the mark that arrow thing i think that's just so powerful and you know i think the piece you're talking about that it, it comes from knowing your piece in the puzzle um you know peace comes from knowing your piece in the puzzle um because you know so i run a construction a small construction company it's me my business partner and we got one guy working for us and that is stressful enough like you know just all the all the coordination and all the the you know pr and all this kind of stuff like it has its own stress it's amazing but it has its own stresses take that and multiply it to a company as big as as amazon you know the ceo of a company like amazon is an incredibly stressful job and you know you're just you you are the head of something so big and then you magnify that to the president of a whole country like you know these responsibilities keep growing and 
to place the title of God upon your life, to place the title of I choose what is right and wrong upon your life is we were not meant for that kind of weight upon us. We were not meant to have to carry the weight of deciding what is right and what is wrong. We were created to to follow and to be a, a servant and a co-heir with Messiah and all these kind of things. And, you know, in my home, you know, there is a an order and that goes Yeshua, me as the husband, my wife and my children. And when one of those gets out of whack, the peace in the home is gone. Yeah. And it, I've really found this to be true with children. Like if children do not know who is the head of the household, and I'm not talking about the, the guy with the whip, you know, the guy with the belt, I'm talking about the loving leader of the home, the pillar of the home. If they do not know who, and for a fact, who is the pillar of the home, their security is gone. If they do not know that there is a, a solid relationship between the head of the home and, you know, me and my wife, their peace is gone. And because they feel like they have to, you know, their security is gone. They feel like, okay, maybe I have to make my own decisions for myself. They are the most peaceful when they know what is right and what is wrong in our home based upon me and my wife living the life that we are telling them to live. And it's the very same with us. When we find our peace in the puzzle, when we find that we are not meant to be God, and when right and wrong has been defined for us, and that we have fallen short of that and need him, it's so much easier of a life. Like it is not, you know, Yeshua said, my burden is easy. My yoke is like, it is not this, you know, like Dave, you were talking about, it's not this guy up in the sky, like checking off right and wrong. It's just peace that comes upon you when, you know, it's written for you. You don't have to find it out for yourself. Yep. Sorry there. You know, you, you, we talk about these things. We're kind of, again, we're setting this foundation here for, uh, out of the scripture of all of sin and come short of the glory of God. But I've run into so many people through the years that have never, again, come into agreement with that verse. Uh, I have a relative that uh, I haven't talked to in many, many years because we're just on totally different uh, planes of life. And uh, it's it's a shame because he was very active in in church growing up uh he's he's older than me by about 14 years he was very active uh actually was studying for ministry went to divinity school as a product of hurt religion hurt him god did not hurt him but religion did and because of this he spent he spent most of his time most of his life running from god and we sat down one time for lunch, the last time I actually saw him, I think. And he said, speaking of my grandmother and, and, and my relatives who were very, uh, very vocal in their faith and, and, and walked their faith out, he said, looking across the table at me, and I'm at the time a pastor, he says, I've really come to the conclusion that this Christianity that you guys are involved in is for people that need crutches in life. I didn't know what to say. Later on, I figured it out. And I, I wish I'd have been smart enough to figure it out, you know, instantaneously. But later on, I figured it out. And I thought about it. Yeah, I came to the place of figuring out I needed a crutch. Because in this life, I'm a cripple. 
Sin has crippled me. I need a crutch to get through. I need something to help me. It's a relationship with God. And that relationship comes through the one I call the Messiah. I call his name Yeshua. And, you know, I'm thinking again, you know, just this verse we're talking about, like, why, why should we agree on this verse? And, you know, I think, I think we all do this on maybe not a day-to-day basis, but, you know, pretty frequently in life where when you meet someone new, you know, whether it's just a person or, um, you know, a, a person that might be your significant other, like you come together and you start talking, you figure out things about each other, you know, you talk about your history and, you know, the mistakes you've made, all, all these kind of things. And to become close with that person, there needs to be things established between you. Like, you know, if there's, there's understandings that have to happen, there's, you know, there's like, okay, well, you know, let's say for a relationship with instance, for instance, you know, one says, for us to move forward in this relationship, I need to know that you're not going to do this thing that you used to do anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if any of us expect that of anyone else, you know, we are doing the same. That's what this verse is. You know, you did something that made you fall short of what I need from you to proceed in this relationship. Wow. And that's the very same thing that, that God is saying right here. Mm-hmm. Well put. Took me almost an hour to come up with that that, <laughs> that, that analogy. Okay. It was good hey, though. I <laughs> that like was what boundary. I was looking for. Yeah. I think every relationship has that point where you reach where it's boundaries, and I love how you say that that way because again, it's that just hurts me again. Mike, you've been telling me these stories; they're breaking my heart, man. These are, these are awful. But I I've, I'm right. I I understand exactly what you're talking about with that guy because that's uh the man. Uh, man can get in the way and start telling people how to act and behave according to a, a standard that they believe is what's right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not going to make any excuses for that because there's been definitely a lot of bad, right? There's Yeah, we froze up there. There we go. Oh, yeah. Sorry, froze up there because I'm sorry, I kind of lost some thought because it's uh it's something that's really, uh, it, it hurts because I know what these, uh, I have someone really close to me. That's in the exact same spot that you're talking about mm-hmm. that guy, exact same spot. And it hurts me a lot realizing that that's where they've gone to is that, and it's, it is a lack of relationship that has led to that point. I would say that because when you have experienced the relationship that God is, it wouldn't be that because I've never ever seen an instance where in, when God convicted me and it was like uh, someone beating me right? Or someone uh, lashing out at me. Never was. Never was. And uh, it's the most loving thing ever is to be corrected by God in a sense. And it's also also can be in its own way terrifying, but it's also the most loving, if that even, maybe it's an oxymoron, right? But it's the most loving, terrifying thing you've ever experienced to know that you deserve absolute death for for what you've done. And then, uh, no, I've actually decided to wipe this away Treat as if it never happened, and uh, you're moving on with life because with sin, God has provided a way of remediating that through forgiveness, repentance, or like in the Hebrew, right, teshuva, and 
uh, before there was this, for some things, there was sacrifices that had to be done. There had to be a punishment. There had to be something and still works this day. Sometimes there has to be a consequence for your actions. And we all hate, we all hate consequences. We all hate reaping what we've sown. We don't like it. <laughs> no one, I don't think anyone likes it when they reap something bad from sowing something bad. We like reaping good though, right? We love that. But it's amazing when God can actually lessen how bad you're about to reap, right? He's mm. going to lessen that. He's going to just intervene. Like story with David always blows me away to how many times can you read about what David did when he did absolute wrong, totally wrong. I think even God had every justification to kill him on the spot. He said, you know what? His heart is willing to change. And he's just the act of him repenting immediately when he found out was enough for God to go, okay, mm -hmm. I'll intervene for you there. I'll actually make, I'll, I'll, I'll cut you a deal. Or I'll, let me, let me talk, let me renegotiate this deal. Let's, let's figure something else out. That's a choice because of your choice. It's just step one step. God chooses to leap at you at a mile to fix it. Like that, that's a love that is, uh, it's hard to see, especially in this evil world that we're in. Yeah, no doubt. Mm -hmm. Ryan, you look yeah. very thoughtful tonight. Well, I was just, I was listening to what David said, and I guess the uh, the thought hit me. Um, yeah, everything has a cost. And in the end, this life will cost you your life. Or you could choose to follow the one that's already paid the cost and paid the price and laid down his life so that you can have life everlasting. So you have to figure out for yourself what you want that cost to be. Do you want to pay it or turn it over to God and do the things that he requires of you because he has ultimately paid that price for you? So like you said to that one gentleman, Mike, you, know, you do what you do. And in the end, it will cost you everything. Yeah. Wow. Well, guys, I, I guess the, the reason I wanted to come to this, you know, the, this uh, these, these verses tonight and, and kind of go through that is because I've been around long enough to know that a lot of people have come to this place of, of agreeing with, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But then they have never been a, they've never been taken to a place of relationship. They've mm -hmm. been taken to a place of mm -hmm. religion. Mm -hmm. Religion is not the answer. No. It's a relationship. How how would you to to end up give me your give me your final thoughts on that that what's where are we going here when i say re, not a relationship not a religion but a relationship mm. where where do you want guys want to see us take this in coming weeks of explaining that i think mike I, i'm recalling your uh, and i won't tell the story because i'm sure you may want to share that at a later episode but your uh testimony on learning how to raise your hands in worship and you said in there well, oftentimes people view their heavenly father the same way they view their earthly father yeah unfortunately yeah and they view maybe a relationship with god how they see other people walking out their religion I would encourage the listener to take that time alone with God and ask him 
to develop that relationship with him in his way and to take away any of the other doctrines and stuff that that people like to tack on that becomes so burdensome and find out what his heart is and what he wants and let him show you and mm -hmm. actually learn learn who he is yeah how many would i'll use an example how many would like it if you got out of a relationship with somebody or friendship let's say and got into another friendship and uh, you were judged based off that person's other relationship with somebody mm -hmm. else they're going to say well you know you must do the same things because i was already in a relationship with this person you must do the same things that's not fair how often do we do that to god <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so. cool mm. David, David, Daniel. I was about to say, as we're as we're wrapping up, this just it just it just kills me because again, I think it always leads to this. Whenever we talk about sin and Bible, we've been talking about this. It always has this heaviness, and I can't. I think it. I think the reason why I'm feeling so heavy and sorrowful is because it's so prevalent. Since there's been such a, we talked about the the absence of light is darkness. Since the light in this world has grown so dim, darkness is reigning even stronger than ever before, if you can say that maybe. And now we're seeing how it affects people who grew up in it or who went through these things and, uh, and then made it to just religion and they stopped it there. And the sense of religion I'm saying is a just a set of things that this is what you're to do and this is what you're not to do. And we're gonna throw in some traditions in there and we're gonna just call that, if you do this, everything's good. And they just, it's such a cold, just there's nothing there it's just relationship is something different it always it's it continues to intensify every single year and when i finally realized that mike you mentioned everybody's mentioned it now at this point when you finally get a hold of that relationship it doesn't get boring anymore it just keeps getting better and better and better and it keeps exposing and it keeps showing you and you find weaknesses and you fix it and I think that's the point that fixing because we're we've been talking about sin this entire time and how bad it is and it's awful and it really is bad and awful but if the more that you are allowing that sin to remain god has to distance himself at that point because he's holy and holy is the absence of sin so he has to stay away but the more you can make improvements to you who are listening it's, oh, I mean, it's, we're not perfect either, guys. I mean, maybe we act, maybe we put off something like that, but we're not perfect in the slightest. We all have our own personal battles and struggles. Uh, so we, we tried our very best. And in our own relationships, God will continue to increase. It's always it's gotten to a point where I'm just like, God, if you're ready to take this to the next level, let's go. Let's, and I would highly advise not to say that. <laughs> it was a hard lesson for me when I said that. It kind of came from a little bit of a place of pride. Guys, uh, God sure did show me. <laughs> he took me right there. But you know what? My relationship has increased even more so because of that. So you know what? If you want to throw things out of whack, do that. Find out what happens. <laughs> because he's, yeah. he's paid a very heavy price for you. Like we said last episode. He paid a very heavy price for you. He is not going to let you just walk away. He's going to he's going to come after you like a like a shepherd. He's going to come get you. Mm -hmm. So that's all I'll leave you with.
Daniel? So, yeah, this kind of came to be about maybe 10 minutes ago or so. Um, you know, we're talking about this really deep subject. You know, we're talking about how people view it, how people ask the questions, you know, what they do with the questions when they ask them, all this kind of stuff. And there's a verse in Peter that, First uh, Peter chapter 3, that, um, you know, nearly everyone is familiar with. You know, be ready to give a, a reason for the hope inside you. And in some of the places that I was, I got the impression that what that meant was be ready to, you know, essentially know everything, you know, know everything about the Bible, like inside and out, the depths of it, all this kind of stuff, like the connections. And, and what I realized is that it says, remain ready to give reason for the hope inside of you. Mm. It doesn't say the theology inside of you. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read the whole, this whole section here, First uh, Peter 3, 13 through 17, because it's really fantastic when you put all of it. And for me, it really just kind of captures what we're talking about here. So First Peter 3, 13, for who will hurt you if you become zealous for what is good? But even if you do suffer for being righteous, you are blessed. Moreover, don't fear what they fear or be disturbed. But treat the Messiah as holy, as Lord in your hearts, while remaining always ready to give a reasoned answer to anyone who asks you to explain the hope you have in you, yet with humility and fear, keeping your conscience clear so that when you are spoken against, those who abuse the good behavior flowing from your union with the Messiah may be put to shame. For if God has in fact willed that you should suffer, it is better that you suffer for doing what is good than for doing what is evil. And what is this essentially saying? Don't worry about how they view what you are doing. You're right there. That's beautiful. I like it. That's it. The word hope comes up over and over and over again. And uh, somewhere along the way in these these, uh, programs, we're gonna actually talk about what that word hope means because uh, it has a concrete meaning it's not just something that we're we're kind of well. I sure hope that uh, that the sun comes mm. out tomorrow. No, it's it's got much more meaning than that, and that's why it yeah. so uh, means so much to me when the Father says to us in Jeremiah, "I know the plans I have for you, not for evil, but for good, to give you a future and a hope." Why? So we can live our life on purpose. See you guys next week. All right. See you on Shabbat. See you Saturday. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We'll see you guys that's next right. week. We're we'll awesome. to it. All right. Yep. Take care, guys. All right. Till next time. You alone hear my every prayer. You're the God who's always.